from Cape Town. This is the voice of the Cape. 91.3 FM. The Legal Hour with Isan Higgins. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Sixan Higgins here with the Legal Hour. Um, and yeah, very good um, to all the listeners. And um, yeah, I've got with me tonight. Um, I'm supposed to have two or three lawyers here tonight, but I only have one at this point in time. So um, yeah, and we tonight we're doing a very, very special program. It's a program that, um, you know, people have been asking for for a long time. And, um, you know, there's just not been enough time. But tonight we are going to be dealing with it. And the program is termed Death by Dicing. We're going to deal with illegal racing on public roads. Now, of course, that is a, is a heavy issue in our community. We've all seen it. We've all, you know, drive, we drive past it when we're on the roads late at night. So tonight we're going to talk about, uh, you know, the legalities of these races that we see on the public roads, also known as dicing or drag racing. And uh, tonight we have the only attorney in studio tonight is attorney Nazir Parker. Assalamualaikum Nazir. Waalaikum salam, Ihsan, and to the listeners of the Voice of the Cape. We were supposed to be joined by attorney William Booth. He has called me a bit earlier this evening and uh, he told me that he's got an emergency meeting. Apparently he's busy with that bishop's bishop's school case. I'm sure most of the listeners has seen... um, some of the social media issues, things doing their rounds, and William Booth is dealing with that particular case. And uh, Faisal Bardin, he's on standby on the telephone. He's also got a heavy case tomorrow uh, in court, And um, but he says if we need him, we ease a phone call away. So, Nazir, unfortunately, you are on your own tonight. Um, but, of course, you understand this whole concept of, um, of dicing. And, uh, you know, illegal drag racing. Uh, how would you define it? You know, what exactly is dicing? Well, according to the fine letter of the law, the correct term would be reckless and negligent driving. And uh, Okay, now maybe we'll just start with what the public understands by it mm. and not what the lawyers uh, understand by well, it. Well, the public understands it as drag racing, two, three, four, maybe more vehicles trying to beat each other on a, on a public road. Um, there's this gathering of people and there is the selection of particular races and then there is the actual race that takes place. Um, I think the concept really took um, a lot of public attention early on in the year when we had that horrible, horrible cla- crash on the N1. Mm-hmm. Um, the gentleman who was involved in that accident, I believe it both his legs had to be amputated as a result of oh that no. collision. Um, so it is something that's very prominent in our communities, and um, unfortunately, it's something that the government and the lawmakers have tried to police, but it doesn't always work out. And I see there's something that doesn't make sense to me now. From when you look at the reports in the news, I mean, I, I've not been privy to, to attending one of these races. Um, but I, I believe it's mostly young people. Well, your son, nowadays, um, 
you see the crowd is getting younger and younger you are correct um, and unfortunately the vehicles that are used to participate in the dicing is getting faster and faster mm-hmm. um, and more expensive okay so so, so you're saying that is not the the, the 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 participants are not that young anymore. No, no, they are. They are reasonably. I'd say, if I have to average the age, I'd say the average age of the races are between I'd say eighteen and twenty-five. Okay, now let, let's look at the demographic: eighteen to twenty-five in terms of age. Now, if you look at these fast vehicles, mm. I mean that's probably upwards of what a million rand on average. Now the question is, that for me, the, 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 that equation don't add up. You know, a young person under the age of 25 driving a million rand car. So mm. where are they getting these cars from? Well, Ihsan, I think the major majority of them are probably being funded by either their family, whether it be directly from the parents or and or other family member who may be fond of them, who's, come, who's maybe placed with a little bit of money. Um, maybe there's a select few who actually can afford it themselves. Okay, now, Nazir, no. let's not look at the exceptions. That's the exception. Mm. Where you have a, a kind uncle with a lot of money. We're not mm. talking about that. I think your first answer probably sounds a bit better. It says that um, the parents are actually buying these cars. Mm. And I mean, I would say possibly 90% of parents are actually funding these cars. Mm. Because, I mean, a youngster can't afford that kind of car. Correct. So the chances are that the parents are finding it. Mm. Okay. Live from Cape Town, this is the Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM. The Legal Hour with Ihsan Higgins. To those listeners that are just joining us now of the Maghrib, uh, we are talking tonight about uh, death by dicing, illegal racing on public roads. I have with me the guest Nazir Parker, who's taking us through some of the issues that come out of um, this illegal racing, illegal drag racing. So Nazir was still talking about, uh, you know, these expensive cars and parents that actually buy um, these expensive cars I mean I'm assuming I mean if because as I said the equation doesn't add up somebody under 25 driving a car worth more than a million that doesn't make sense to me so obviously somebody must find this mm-hmm. so and then you also during the break we were talking now and you were saying about cars what type of cars we're we talking about Nowadays, it's normally these high-end vehicles um, ranging from, I would say, BMWs to Mercedes-Benz to Audis to the top-end models of those particular brands. Um, mm-hmm. And their pricing starts anywhere from 850000 and goes up depending. And what type of speeds are we talking about when they actually do these drag racing? Well, Ikshan, um from what I've read since the whole January episode that happened on the N1, um, there's been a lot of outcry of the participants in these races that says that they, they need at least a kilometer stretch of straight road in order to practice their sport. And if we look at a kilometer, you're looking at what the races define as top-end racing. 
and um, we're talking speeds in excess of 180 kilometers an hour. Um, 180 kilometers. Anything over and above that, because those vehicles can reach those speeds quite easily, um, and that's the the type of participation that you have in today's street racing. Okay, now apparently there is. Uh, I may understand the whole question of you. You mentioned it. It's a sport. Mm. Okay, I take it to a sport that, that requires no running really, because um, you can't get to that speed. But the the government has made provision for drag racing, legal drag racing on places like Kalani. Is mm. that correct? That is correct, uh, Ikshan. The the struggle, let me put it that way, of the the drag races is that. Uh, tracks like Kilani is is a circular track. It goes mm-hmm. in circles, and the problem is for races at least that you can't reach the speeds that they want to reach on a straight road. Mm-hmm. And this was actually one of the topics that was debated on in January when this whole massive in one accident took place. Mm-hmm. And um, some of the MECs, the local MECs in Cape Town, actually tried to convince their drag racers to participate in the sport in Kilani because it's safer. Um, and their answer simply was that, you know, it, it's not conducive, it doesn't work for them because of the fact that it's a straight, that's a goes, uh, circuit goes around. And also Kilani Racetrack has certain bumps in it and sometimes it can hurt the vehicle as well if it's not properly equipped to deal with track racing. Um, and that's the reason why they insisted that the city um, gives them a stretch, like a kilometer road. But, but that hasn't happened. It hasn't happened to m- as far as my knowledge is mm-hmm. concerned. What the MECs have said to them is, look, make an application for an event permit mm-hmm. and specify a particular area you want to participate, have an event, apply through the permit office for, for a permit, and if it meets all our criteria, we will give you the permit. That's basically the city's response. Um, but as far as I know, this, this, this hasn't happened. The, the thing is with, with, with street racing, as far as I'm concerned, it's a very spontaneous thing. Mm-hmm. It happens within a blink of an eye, and before you know it, there's a, a street race happening. It doesn't necessarily take preparation, like what the city of Cape Town has suggested. No, but I mean, obviously, you know, it's a gathering, and of course, the city regards that particular race as a gathering, and Correct. of course, you're using a, a, a public road. Mm. And of course, all the and I mean the city obviously would want to deal with it as a proper gathering. Mm. Number one, the roads must be closed. Number two, there must be ambulances. There must be police. There must be traffic control. Mm. I mean, there's a whole host of things mm. that attaches to an event or public event. Mm. So of course they're not going to go that route. No, so, I agree. So of course, in the meanwhile, it, it's it's still an illegal race. It's still an illegal race to the fine letter of the law. Mm. Uh, the realities are these races take place late at night when there's not as much traffic flow as mm-hmm. you would normally have. And um, they do what we call rolling start. So the vehicle mm-hmm. doesn't start from, from, the race doesn't start from the vehicle standing still. They start from a specific speed. And uh, once they reach a speed and the point of, tip, uh, point of start, then they go. Mm. And, uh, okay, so the problem is, I mean... <laughs> Uh, like you know, there's a there's a nice uh, saying that says, um, if if you consent to injury, then no harm is caused. Mm. Uh, and I can't recall the Latin saying, but there's a very nice Latin saying in it. And um, but now, of course, we're not concerned about the people that participate mm. in these races. If they know the risks, they know that if you go at 180k and you um, you make one mistake or there's one little bump in the road 
you're dead. Mm. I mean, I, I, I can't see somebody surviving that. But what about the people, the innocent ones, coming on the opposite side? If you look at your classic road, M5, people driving, let's say there's a drag race on the M5, fast lane, slow lane, they go straight on, somebody's coming on the other side. And I do recall, you know, we had a case like this way back in uh, 1995, huge accident on the M5. But the people that got hurt and killed was actually the innocent people driving on the other side of the highway. Mm. So that car veered out of control. It hit a whole lot of uh, people um, watching this uh, particular race. But, of course, there was other cars coming on on the other side of the road, and they were also injured. Mm. So my question is, uh, how, how, how huge is the policing of this thing? I mean, is there, I believe there's a ghost squad. Mm. Is that correct? There is a ghost squad, Yashan. That's now your local municipalities trying to curb the, the or police the drag racing specifically better than what they have been. Mm-hmm. Um, what does the term ghost squad mean? It's basically unmarked vehicles. Um, now, sometimes you'll find that these vehicles are also sport vehicles. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are there to combat the question of illegal drag racing. But coming to the point where what is being done to try and police this whole thing it is well in terms of national legislation if you participate in a drag race willingly and you cause an accident and there's a lot of fatality you as the person who has caused that accident can actually be charged with murder um, and not reckless and negligent driving like I mentioned earlier on so it's very quickly that the jump can happen between a normal some smaller offense to one of murder but what about what about if somebody don't die but they get maimed, they lose their legs. Shouldn't that be attempted murder? Well, there we go. So there's this whole category of, of other offenses that can flow from this uh, illegal drag mm-hmm. racing. Um, so it's not just limited to reckless and negligent driving anymore. So, so now let's assume for a moment that, you know, a parent has now purchased this expensive car or given this child. In fact, no, maybe he's not a child anymore. Maybe he's 19 years old, 20 years old. Mm. They've now funded this uh, particular venture, you know, where he's going to get a very, very fast car. He's going to insert what you call it, NOS, what is nitrous oxide? What's, mm. it, what's it called? Yeah, NOS. Yeah, so it's he's basically got, a gas. It's a gas that makes a car go a lot faster. Mm. Now he's done all this and his parent is very happy, you know, it's so nice. His child's got a fast car. Mm. Now this particular, let's call him an adult, a young adult. He causes an accident. He kills someone. Um, shouldn't, don't you think, you know, it's time that, you know, that the person that has funded that particular venture should also be held accountable. Sean, I agree with you principally that there must be accountability for the person that actually funded the process. Um, legally, there's, a, there's a, a lot of problems in my mind to that um, in the sense of the person is now 18, he's got his own criminal capacity, he's no longer charged as a juvenile, which requires the parent's intervention. Um, so he or she that's been involved in this drag racing, it's caused the issues over 18 years old, he's going to stand there on his own. The parents will suffer what we, what I would term as the emotional trauma and the stress of seeing their child going through this process. But from a point of criminal capacity, I don't see the, the state trying to take the, the parents to task. 
I would like to actually one day sit with a prosecutor and explain to the prosecutor what Common Cause is about. Mm. Because I think, you know, there must be a, a shift in policy in terms of uh, the the, uh, the way we look at these things. Mm-hmm. One shouldn't look at it anymore just as this person. I mean, how did this person get to this particular vehicle? How did he get to the means? Anyway, maybe that is a, is a pipe dream. Maybe it's something that, that I've concocted in my own head. And I w- but I would like to actually one day have a, have a, a conversation with the National Prosecuting Authority on these two particular matters to see how we can actually widen that net. Because I think the net is way too narrow right now. Oh, I think you're onto it there, Sean, in terms of what the, the common the doctrine of common purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think maybe we should have the debate with the NPA at some point and find out how, what they... Because the minute those, those youngsters who's not really... In fact, I'm going to read this letter now that was, uh, just came through. But remember, 18-year-old, 19-year-old, they don't really have uh, a lot of good common sense. Mm. You know, it's all about adrenaline. It's all about, you know, uh, wow, I'm going to show you people how fast I am. Mm. And, uh, and if they have unlimited resources, they can go faster and faster. You were just mentioning earlier on about the, the if somebody loses, what happens? Well, um, my my experience with these things are that if you have a drag race and the loser of that race basically goes away, spends a bit more money, how much ever it is to make the vehicle fast and comes back the next week to re- re-race that same And person. what type of money are we talking under that bonnet? Uh, silly money. Uh, 300, 400,000 easily. Under the bonnet? Under the bonnet. Okay. So, so, so I mean, that's what I'm talking about. That net should be a bit wider in mm. terms of accountability. But anyway, that, that's something for, 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 for policy to look at at some point or a very clever prosecutor. Um, the other thing is, I want to read this letter here. It's quite an emotional one. It says here, Assalamu alaikum. I was at a place to have my car attended to. There was a young man sitting there speaking about that accident that happened on Sable Road, almost boasting that he was the other driver that raced with that person who lost both his legs. I felt like spitting in my hands and knocking him to the ground the way he spoke. Okay, now that's not nice. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that would have led to another criminal action, but then that's not the issue. Uh, and then he says, uh, he's completely brainless, and I can go on and on. His BMW was parked outside of this place we were at. His father said, uh, what a shame he refuses to grow up. Now, I don't know if that is authentic, or what, but this is the the letter that was mm. that came through now. So people are angry out there, you know, that mm. people do these things. Um, and also, yes, somebody's saying, heard about drag races using jet fuel, don't know if it's true. So there's a whole lot of urban myths out yeah. there, you know, in terms of what happens and what doesn't happen. But clearly, it seems like there's a serious need for some form of serious intervention by the state. Hmm. Now, I uh, agree with the listener that sent through that message. There's a lot of public outcry against this form of sport, if that's what the, the racist wants to term it. Uh, I think there is a place and a time for everything and I think if the people can actually get to a point where they can legalize it in a proper manner and form like you suggested, then it can uh, we can avoid all of these um, fatalities and or consequences that flows from the, the night racing. Yeah, but now look, I've had over the years many calls at 2 o'clock in the morning um, asking me, 
my son has been locked up. Mm. He was just involved with a little race. Mm. You know, that's how the parents normally start off the conversation. You know, no, he and his friends were like, you know, they were fooling around. Mm. So he gets arrested at 2 o'clock in the morning. Take us through the process. What happens after that phone call? Well, Ikshan, once you are arrested and taken to the police station and you are charged, um, the police will charge you with, at the very least, the minimum charge it will be attributed would be reckless and negligent driving and whatever else could be associated with that, depending on the circumstances. You will then remain in custody for a period of at least... 48 hours which yeah but that's if you haven't been charged you are just you just been arrested you've just been point. arrested the police will have 48 because, hours but, yeah, the, problem, but that, the problem with these street races are sometimes they even become abrasive towards the police they become they have an attitude towards the police mm-hmm. and that doesn't help them um, in the circumstances because then the police will wait till hour 47 to actually start processing and charging mm-hmm. and getting these things done and ready for the actual whether it be a court bill application okay uh, l- let me just let me just maybe summarize what you said now you said they get arrested mm. they don't necessarily get charged no they will basically be kept in the police cells and the police are entitled to do this for Correct. 48 hours. Correct. And that's like a long time to sit in that cell. Correct. And then, then only can the investigating officer will charge him. They will charge him, they will profile him and do all the necessary to get the matter ready now for a possible bail application. The reality is sometimes the person that was arrested this might be a second or third offense related to a similar charge mm-hmm. and depending on the circumstances you might not be able to, re- to be released on bail at the police station you might have to wait your time to appear in court mm-hmm. and make the application at the court itself and sometimes again that's not an instant process because the realities are if you are arrested over the weekend the prosecutor might come to court on Monday and say, look to the magistrate or to the judge, we need more time to get all the bail information. Then you remand it for a period of seven days and you're not going to be going back to the holding cells at the police station. You're actually going to either a Paul Small or a Goodwood or one of those prisons for the bail information to be obtained. You come back a week later. So these um, types of, of offenses has far-reaching consequences on your, on your freedom. Um, and you come back to court and they might say, listen, we're going to charge you with a schedule, what we call a schedule five offense, which is a, a serious offense if you've got more than one um, or, or more than yeah, more than one conviction of a nature like this. So there is far reaching consequences. If you're lucky, you might get released on bail at court on the first appearance that you get to court. Um, but because of the massive public outcry that these issues have had, the state and the prosecution and the courts are becoming a lot more strict on these offenses it's becoming a, a big public outcry out there it's similar to drunken driving maybe not in a similar nature but it's it's becoming uh, very fast it's reaching those levels mm-hmm. anyway there's now a lot of outcry here on um on the, on the on this whatsapp line i mean people obviously very concerned that these young people who go to jail will be spending seven days up in Polsmore or Goodwood, okay, Goodwood is okay, but Paulsmore is not so okay. Mm. And uh, they're saying, yeah, that young people get raped in jails, don't do illegal racing. So, I mean, that's maybe, you know, 
maybe uh, a bit far-fetched, mm. um, you know, but it can happen. It, it's the, not reality is, the realities of our prison system is that. You, mm. Once you're there, you don't know what happens. Um, mm. And there's unfortunately nobody to protect you. Yeah, look, I was hoping to get William Booth to come comment on some of these issues because, mm. I mean, he deals a lot with young people that uh, end up in the, in the judicial system. But the reality is, okay, let me just uh, maybe do another one. So, so that two o'clock phone call happens. What is the lawyer's first response in terms of money? What will it cost to do a bail application like that? Two o'clock in the morning to come and do a bail application anywhere between, depending on the experience of the attorney, anywhere between five and 10,000 rand minimum. I think you, you're on the low end, Nazir. Yeah. I remember a few weeks ago, I was actually myself, I mean, I don't know why I ended up, but I ended up at the um, Seapoint police station on a Sunday morning. And um, I was actually doing a favor for someone because it was a friend of mine's son that was involved with something. And then uh, there was another lawyer I got there. And I know this lawyer from way back. And we had a chat. And he was charging for that Sunday. It wasn't even 2 o'clock in the morning. He was charging 15,000 rand per bail application. And he had three there. Mm. And I just thought, wow, this guy is cheating the jackpot today. But when parents are desperate, they want their children out of jail, they, then they'll be able to they'll pay anything. Uh, and the sad reality is maybe on hindsight there's not much justice to it because if you can afford to pay the vehicles that are participating in this process, you can afford the bail money. Mm-hmm. But uh, the principle is sound, you're going to be spending a lot of money to 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 write uh, or to try and get your your child out of jail and that's the sad reality so i think yeah the lesson is is sound that you know that parents must parents must acquaint themselves with what happens at these races Mm -hmm. they must acquaint themselves with the with the danger they must acquaint themselves with the law that's against them they must acquaint themselves with the the peer pressure to potentially wager money against who's going to be the winner so there's a bit of gambling involved Mm. Uh, can you just tell us about it? I, used to, I remember there used to be a thing called pink slips. Is that yeah, still happening? Yeah, from my experiences, I, I haven't personally seen wages for, for pink slips. Okay, but well, there let's is, tell the listeners quickly what pink slips is. Pink slips is where you actually are putting your car on the line if you, lo- if you lose the race and you give off your vehicle. Okay, nobody's going to give off a million rand. I just no, like not, the, not in for the, losing not in the race. race. I can't see yeah. it. But I remember when it was still the, 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 the Tatsons, the triple mm. S's, and I mean, that cost was maybe a thousand, two thousand rand. Mm. Maybe then it could happen, but mm. I don't think it's going to happen today. Yeah, no, but like uh, the, the thing is, there is still gambling involved. Maybe you're not on a pink slip scale, but um, there is money being put in into uh, a, pot. a pot. Yes, and um, then whoever wins the race, the, the the wager is distributed amongst the winners, like mm. your normal gambling scenario. So okay, so there's the parents must acquaint themselves, like you know, all those other things I said. Then there's of course must acquaint themselves against the gambling, the mm. potential gambling of the situation, and of course what happens when your child gets arrested. Mm. And, um, of course, you have the drivers, and I believe there's also a thing called a co-driver. Mm. And this is the one that don't have a car. Yeah. 
Okay. The one what is he at all? What does he do? He just sits there. Well, the, the reality of it is, if it's you mentioned it earlier, it's the common purpose issue. Um, mm. He's driving in the vehicle and it's going at that excessive speed, and the police are going to arrest you. Mm. Um, it's not a scenario where you're going to be blessed with with exemption from all of this. So he could be arrested as well. He could be arrested. so the participation in the illegal drag racing also has its uh, its issues, and I must also stress, and you touched on it earlier that. The police these days, you don't see them until you see them um, mm-hmm. because they come in your ordinary cars and before you before you see it, um, the lights go on and there you go. Mm. Unfortunately, it is what it is and your vehicle is impounded and it's taken to the police station and you then driven to the police station and kept in custody. Mm. Live from Cape Town, this is the Voice of the Cape. 91.3 FM The Legal Hour with Ihsan Higgins Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh To those people that just joined us But we're now on the death rows of this particular program We're dealing uh, with a program called Death by Dicing Illegal drag racing And I've, we've covered a whole lot of aspects pertaining to uh, This type of illegal activity happening on our roads Mostly by our young people There's another message that came through now It says here um, I don't think youngsters involved in illegal activities should feel the law is unfair and expect a good defense lawyers like yourselves to get to lie to get them off. Okay, so I want to say to that auntie, lawyers don't lie okay. to get people off. Um, but uh, I guess that is the perception out there. Um, they should face the consequence of the deeds. How else will they learn responsibility? Mm-hmm. So, Nazir, just to bring us back to that point, to that exact point, is what could the potential consequences be for, and I'm not even talking about somebody uh, killing somebody on the road. I'm not talking about, uh, you know, maiming someone. I'm just talking about reckless driving. Mm. E, what type of punishment attaches to that? Ikshan, the sentencing proceedings, once you're convicted, um, could range from payment of fines, mm-hmm. um, prison term, which can be suspended if it justifies that, uh, or it could be direct imprisonment. Again, it depends on the circumstances of the case. It depends on the person being prosecuted. The, well, the, other the current mood of the judges and of the of the magistrates, or more the magistrates, is that they, I think they really, so let's say, let's duck. Mm. They, they don't want these people to be a threat to the public on mm. the roads. So we, we're probably going to be looking at the near future of people actually being jailed. No, I agree. The realities are that the people, the magistrates, are there to rule on what the public would want a just sentence to be. And obviously mm-hmm. weighing up all the other circumstances that criminal law requires them to do. But public outcry and public uh, policy is going to be, play a heavy part there. And if the public are going to start voicing the, or policing the, the issue of, of illegal racing themselves, I'm sure the magistrates or the judges will reach that point that they're also going to consider direct imprisonment as opposed to a lesser sentence. But over and above the question of uh, criminal sanctions, there's also the the possibility of civil uh, claims against the person as well. For example, if you are knocking into somebody else's vehicle and the vehicle is now now not insured, 
that driver of that other vehicle, the owner is going to look to you as the cause of the accident to compensate them. Mm-hmm. And it's it's not going to be a cheap exercise because now you've got all of a sudden a criminal conviction which is going to stick with you for at least 10 years. And now you're going to have a civil claim where you're going to have to spend money out of pocket. So it's really not a cheap exercise and it has a far-reaching consequence. And, and of course, there's, there's other social consequences. I, I do recall doing many divorces whereby when there was an accident of that nature through racing, mm. when that uh, driver is now in hospital and he's like half a vegetable or he's like in heavy recovery, his wife sues for divorce at that point in time because mm. oh, the young wives don't have the patience for that type of thing because now there's nobody who's going to be supporting the family anymore mm. uh, he's now going to be in fact he needs to be looked after by someone mm. and I've seen I mean I've personally I've done lots of divorces where that would be the, 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 the main reason why the marriage broke up so it obviously has massive social consequences it does Ikshan and unfortunately these small 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 uh, call it ideas behind the racing does have far-reaching legal, social, and a whole host of other consequences. Nazir, so basically, I think maybe tonight was just an information program for, you know, for people to think about it. For even youngsters, if some of them listened, you know, and they're involved with it, maybe to think about, you know, the future. And of course, uh, it, uh, with it attaches a potential criminal record, uh, a potential uh, life of you know being an invalid, uh, to be physically challenged. So I mean, there's a whole lot of consequences. So, but from a policy perspective, you know, knowing what we know, what we've seen in reports, you know, do you think there's a possibility for government to actually intervene more strongly, other than the courts? Shan, very recently there's been changes in law. It doesn't have, well, it hasn't found application in Cape Town just yet, but I know there is this Ayarto law that's taking effect in Johannesburg, mm. where they've now tried to implement what they call, they deem the demerit system, where they're trying to now allocate a certain amount of points per driver. And once you go over that point limit, then your license is effectively revoked. Mm-hmm. So that would mean that that's the the government's way of trying to um, create strategies for to combat the illegal racing. Uh, I think drag racing and reckless and negligent driving does carry a heavy point deduction on the demerit system as it stands. Okay. And so these these obviously no. Yeah, you could be without your driver's license for for the rest of your life, and that's a basic job skill that you have nowadays when people ask for employment. And as we well read this message quickly before we go, I mean, I think it's a, it's a very kind message, and I think uh, it kind of just. Uh, wraps up, you know, what we've discussed tonight. It says here, Salam, I just want to add, I am almost 50 and this has been going on for over 40 years and there is still no solution that is put in place to help the young men out there that is not gangsters, no druggies, to help them find a solution for these youngsters. Shukran. So I think it's a question of, you know, a, whole, a host of, you know, lacks of, inter- of, 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 of keeping young people interested in doing useful things uh. as opposed to especially with regard to youth outreach you've mentioned it a little bit uh, with regard to a program on Sunday and mostly aimed at the youth what is happening on Sunday 
we will have a rugby day inshallah it will be the second of november that will be saturday inshallah as we mentioned that uh, alhamdulillah there will be a final between south africa and, and england. england inshallah mm-hmm. so alhamdulillah there will be a big screen as well as there will be stalls the main stall will be for the masjid mm-hmm. and that will be for the funds of the masjid we'll be selling mixed grills uh quarter chickens hot dogs and that will be for the masjid and alhamdulillah we'll have 15 15, 15 stalls. stalls that uh, variety stalls. yeah variety stalls that they will be close uh, be, being sold and certain things it will sounds very very exciting inshallah the road will be blocked mm. off uh, the parking opposite the masjid will be used for this facility. Alhamdulillah, so we we uh, call on to those who come support, inshallah. No, but I'm happy parking. that there's that type of outreach to the community. And of course, I'm hoping that there's a lot of young people that attend. Alhamdulillah. And um, obviously with the rugby match, I'm sure they will attend. Alhamdulillah. Okay, so unfortunately, that's all we have time for tonight. I see Buta Yusuf walking into the studio. Um, he'll be coming in here very soon. So, Shamil, shukran very much for coming in. Uh, Sheikh, well done on the on the on the leadership initiatives and the new initiatives that you have initiated at the masjid. I think um, is brilliant, um, and I think I'm hoping that some people, some of the listeners, was connected to masjids, have maybe learned something from from tonight's program. And of course, uh, Haji Umar. Shukran for your uh, participation and for supporting all these leadership initiatives that Sheikh and uh, and others are actually um, implementing. So, unfortunately, that's all we have time for tonight. I would like to to, to bring uh, the team back on here, uh, maybe in a few months' time, and to just to hear any, and especially to check if that one way uh, uh, of the road has been achieved. So, from my side, Shukran very much, Ixan Higgins. Uh, you can contact the Legal Cafe if you have any questions on the Leadership Hour, 082-336-3778. From my side, I say, Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Wa alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. The Leadership Hour.